Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Well, it's official. UCF has added a bunch of new transfers officially. They have officially enrolled at UCF. What does it mean? Also, UCF nabbed a 2025 commitment. Will it stick and how big would it be if it does? Also, we're talking UCF basketball. It's almost the end of the season. Just a couple more games left. What would be a positive end to the year for the UCF basketball team? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Charge On. As always, I'm your host, Sean Green. Before we get started, as always, a quick word from our sponsor, Bet Online. It's playoff time, and the usual suspects are heading to Vegas for the championship. And our partner, Bet Online, is your number one source for football odds, stats, trends, and lines. With everything from point spreads to hundreds of bets on everything from the coin toss to the color of the Gatorade, Bet Online is the number one source for your championship wagering. Head to Bet Online and join today to get into all the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Obviously, different setup, different location. Uh, didn't think there was going to be much to talk about. Um, so, you know, wasn't in my, not in my usual spot uh, to record, but hopefully this will do it. Uh, you got a nice black background and a little bit dimmer light, um, but we'll make it work. Not going to be a long pod today. Obviously, off season, we try to keep these um, to about 30 minutes, depending on the news. But uh, yesterday, because it's coming out on Thursday. So um, yesterday, Gus Malzahn, basically, it's National Signing Day. And with National Signing Day, it has become basically this non-existent day for college football, right? Early early signing day is the day where basically 99% of all high school prospects will sign to a school. Um, Now it has become that on this day, most schools are talking about their transfers and who they've brought in, who they're going to be, you know, adding to the roster. Well, Gus Malzahn had his press conference, and so what we'll do is we will basically break all of the players down in right before spring practices or or something like that with Nick um, and Rob and see, you know, what they could bring to the team, all that stuff. But we're going to talk about what Gus Malzahn said in his press conference now. Again, most Gus Malzahn pressers, you don't really get anything from. That's why I'm kind of upset about Darren Henshaw not being the offensive coordinator anymore because Darren Henshaw would give you 15 to 20-minute press conferences and really tell you what he's thinking. And not that Gus Malzahn doesn't tell you what he's thinking, but it's the same answers kind of every press conference, Right. You know, if you're talking about recruiting in the area, he said, well, right when I got here, I told you we were going to recruit the area like our hair is on fire. And that's the same answer he gets for recruiting locally. Um, Gus Malzahn has, in the last, I don't know, couple months, given some nuggets and given some things to chew on when it comes to press conferences. I don't think, and I think we all can agree, he was happy about last season. You see that in the coaching changes. And I think it's really made a difference. Now... With that being said, in the press conference, he said a couple things that I found interesting. 
and the philosophy of the transfer portal has changed. It's, it's supposedly going to be changed for UCF. Now, there's other factors to this, right? Gus Malzahn basically said, the thought of the transfer portal this season is to go and get your guys that you need to fill in immediately, right? It's to go get guys that you need help with. You need help at a certain position. You're going to go get that position and make sure you get guys that can fit right in and have have experience. That's a word that Gus Malzahn used a lot in this press conference was experience. When we talk about the linebacking group, right, we said that was the number one need, all in capital letters, this offseason was linebacking. And Gus Malzahn added four to five linebackers this in this transfer portal. Now, he did mention he wants to do it the right way. They want to do it the right way going through high school ranks. It's not about the transfer portal. But in this kind of time period, you do have to get to fill those holes. right? And he made sure to say, we've got some guys that will be ready in due time. But you've got to find quality guys that can fill into those spots immediately. Now, with that being said, last season, in this same time, if you go back to our podcasts and you look when we were talking about the transfer portal stuff, right? We were thinking, oh, this guy's going to start. This guy's going to start. We looked at Ryan Davis. We're like, uh, yeah, coming from Georgia, he's going to start immediately. Man saw maybe five snaps in the entire year. So I think the philosophy changed from year one to year two. Now, some of it has to do with depth, and some of it has to do with starters not being there anymore. Like, again, when your top two starters, Jason Johnson and Walter Gates, now are gone, you have to kind of replenish and fill those starting spots. But it's not just about that. It's not just about that. Gus Malzahn would probably be the first to tell you the linebacking group was not that great last year. It's probably why Ernie Sims was the odd man out. You add a coach, a cornerback coach, which we'll talk about in a second, and Ernie Sims gets the boot because you can only have so many people on your staff. So when Gus Malzahn's talking about the transfer portal and saying we need to find guys that can play, that have experience, that can really fill those holes that we have, I find that it's a different look than last season. And I think partially last season has affected how Gus Malzahn views the transfer portal and views the players that he's bringing in. You look at a guy like Chauncey Magwood. Now, granted, guy from Kentucky, SEC school, he was a depth piece. I think Gus Malzahn viewed the transfer portal last year as we have top-tier players. The players on our roster are top-tier. We're going to the transfer portal, and we are going to get value depth pieces. So in case of injury, in case of you know, underperformance, you have a good depth piece behind these guys. This season, if you just look at the additions on the transfer portal, you found yourself starting linebackers, potentially starting safeties, potentially a starting cornerback, and then when you look at the offensive side, side of the ball, a potential couple starters on the offensive line, and then some death pieces when it comes to the running back room and wide receiver room. Gus Malzahn went out and got, from the outside on February 8th, 
Gus went and got starters. Starting caliber players that you can look at and say, they're going to fill in a hole. They're going to fill in a hole. Jabari Brooks is the one that comes to mind from Samford. The thought process, and Gus mentioned this, and I found this very interesting. And I don't know if people caught up on it. I think they just took the headline of the three-man race at center. Now, I told you months ago, I would not be the least bit surprised if Walt Claire Flynn was your starting center in the 2024 season. Do I think it's going to happen? No. At the end of the day, he's a freshman. Caden Kittler's a year removed from his first year. Showed some good things last year. Now, Jabari Brooks can play center or guard. The thought process, and it was asked by a question, you know, in from the reporters, is, oh, is there, basically, is that one of the competitions, Jabari versus Caden for the starting center? And Gus said, well, you know, Jabari can play guard too. And I'm going to be honest, now, and we'll see, obviously spring practices have to happen. If I had to guess, Jabari is going to start at guard. And then it's going to be a competition between Caden Kittler and Walt Claire Flynn as the starting center. So a sophomore and then a true freshman. That's just the vibe I get. Now we'll see, again, what happens through spring, what happens through fall camp. A lot can happen. We've got many, many months. That's just the vibe I'm getting. But if you just look at the class that Gus added and the staff added, and we've said this, they added depth, but they also added guys that if they were to start tomorrow, you would feel confident that there would be a little bit of an uptick in productivity from the defensive side and the offensive line. But the offensive line, to be completely fair, was sometimes injury-riddled, switching lineups. And that's why I think sometimes when you have guys that can be in a bunch of different spots, it can hurt you. Because if one guy's just not doing that well in this one spot, UCF's decision, okay, let's just move him this way and then move this guy here, and you're not creating a unity. You're just moving guys around. So hopefully they change that on the offensive line. But I liked what Gus had to say today. I, I, I did like what he had to say. I think he was really informative and really explained his viewpoint on the transfer portal viewpoint now. Because last year, I think it was more of a depth. Let's go get depth. And now a year removed after your first year in the Big 12, you're like, oh, yeah, we need to go get X, Y, Z. And we'll see. We'll see. Especially the linebacking group is going to be the one where everybody's going to view for the next six, seven months. Who's going to be the starting linebackers? Who's going to be on the bench? You know, after the first three games, who's stepping up? Who needs to go to the bench? It's going to be a season-long crapshoot, basically, right? So that doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Um, But it'll be interesting. I mean, I think if I were to really – if you asked me today, oh, who do you think would start a linebacker? I would not be able to tell you. And I think that's probably most of you. Like, there's a couple guys you look at and you say, okay, maybe. Maybe that, like, that probably, if you look at stat- statistics and all that, okay, maybe. Like, X-ray. Like, that's, okay. X-ray. Like, he could probably start. But you don't know. He was a freshman last year. So, who knows? Who knows? 
All right, well, let's move to the big news uh, when it comes to UCF um, sports. Uh, well, UCF football. We got another 2025 commit. And this one's a huge one. Um, Kendarius Reddick uh, f- was originally committed to Auburn. Uh, we can really thank uh, Trevon Re- uh, Reed. Trevon Reed. Trevon Reed, new cornerback coach, was at Auburn, was this guy's recruiter. I think Addison Williams had something to do with it as well, but Trevon Reed came in and really um, stepped up and. You know, Reddick flipped his commitment from Auburn to UCF, from Thomasville, Georgia. Um, team went, I think, undefeated last year, um, led them to a national title. Um, total in 2022, they don't have his 2023 stats, but um, in 2022, had 58 tackles and an interception per max preps. This kid's a baller. Number seven safety in the class um, for the 247 composite, and he's ranked as a 96-87 overall four-star. Again, I feel like I've said this 50 times since we've started this podcast, but it's only been three. Um, Would be the highest-rated recruit in UCF program history if he signs. Now, we're in February. we got to get all the way to November, December. But if this ends up sticking, and some of the guys that we're looking at also – potentially committing. We're looking at another historic class. And we said this the last time, right? When we did our 2023, you know, class, you know, or 2024 class view, we said, it seems like every year under Gus Malzahn, it's going to just keep getting better and better and better. You might see a huge jump one year, but gradually, it's just going to keep getting better. And to get a guy to flip who's been with Auburn, he was committed to Auburn for, hell, I think like a year. When was he committed to Auburn? Let's see. And again, this guy's got, he committed to Auburn on, oh, okay, never mind. Never mind. October 19th, 2023, he committed to Auburn. So about three, four months he was committed, and then he decommitted and come here. And that's, again, that's Trevon Reed. People were like Addison Williams and Trevon Reed. That's Trevon Reed. If Addison Williams was on a different level than Trevon, he would have committed, you know, in October. But Trevon Reed comes here, and now he's committed to the UCF Knights. Has offers from Auburn, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia Tech, Kentucky, Miami, Michigan. Again, every school under the sun. Number seven safety in the class. It's a huge gift for UCF. I love, especially the last couple um, freshman classes. I mean, they are really going hard after that, you know, safety corner group. Um, defensively, I mean, UCF has just hit home runs every single class. So, um, great way to kind of add to the 25 class. Obviously, uh, Tavion Swint is the name that you really want to hope and pray that you keep um, in this class. So, I mean, I'm excited for UCF. I'm excited for UCF to continue adding names, especially the names that we kind of see that are popping up, maybe some flips. Um, So it should be really interesting. I'm really happy for the program, and we'll see over the next couple months or next six, seven months who else they can add in in the 2025 class. 
All right, final topic today is UCF basketball. Obviously, you're seeing this on Thursday, February 8th. Um, but on Saturday, February 3rd, I ended up going to the UCF basketball game uh, against Oklahoma. I have season tickets. Uh, and, you know, I went to the Baylor game. That was very frustrating. Um, UCF could not handle um, the zone that Baylor was doing. It was very frustrating. They had the first half. Um, Cincinnati, that was an away game. Another really frustrating loss where UCF had it in the first half. I get you're down two starters. Um, they had it in the first half, and then and then they dropped it. Oklahoma is not ranked anymore. But I think it's important to note what UCF has done this season. I think it's important to note, right? If you go back to me and Nick's video, and, and this is where... If you go back to me and Nick's video, I will straight up tell you that Johnny Dawkins' job is on the line. I don't want Johnny fired. I don't want Johnny fired. I never wanted Johnny fired. I said, who are you going to get that's better? Who's gonna get, who are you going to get that's better in recruiting? Who are you going to get that's just a better leader among men than Johnny Dawkins? But me and Nick also did say, Johnny Dawkins is going to have to prove that he should keep this job with his first season in the Big 12, right? I don't think we gave him any chance to win more than a couple games in Big 12 play. Because, again, the Big 12 is the best basketball conference. You arguably came in with the worst roster when it comes to just meshing a bunch of players together, a bunch of transfers, not really building through high school, just grabbing a bunch of transfers, which is what UCF has kind of done the last couple of years, right? Even the last year, I get Taylor Hendricks, but that was your one freshman, went to the NBA, and then you have to replace. Well, he beats Kansas. Number three, number four, it was number three at the time. Beats Kansas. Now, Kansas has lost a couple, but you still got your biggest win in program history. You lost to, you know, at the time, I think number 18 BYU by five at home. Held them to 63 points, which at this point looks great because BYU is one of the best offensive teams in the country. You follow that up by beating Texas. Texas on the road, not ranked, but they're going to be in the tournament. You beat them on the road. Lose to Houston. That was probably the worst performance besides the the Kansas State game, uh, just offensively. You beat West Virginia, a team you should beat. You lose to Cincinnati, lose to number 13, Baylor, and then you beat number 23, Oklahoma. You've gotten three ranked wins. Four wins in the Big 12. Four and five. Johnny Dawkins has saved his job. And Johnny Dawkins deserves to have this job. He deserved to have this job before the Big 12 season started. He deserved it after, regardless of how this plant panned out. If you just look at the way Johnny Dawkins is recruiting, number one, that should tell you he shouldn't be fired. If you just look at his resume, he shouldn't be fired. And it's funny that all of these Johnny Dawkins haters are now saying to extend him. It's hilarious to me. Because those same guys a year ago were like, fire Johnny Dawkins, fire Johnny Dawkins. He's, he's terrible. We can go get somebody so much better. And it's funny to me now that all of a sudden, Johnny Dawkins is winning ranked wins. He's beat three ranked teams. 
and now it's, oh, extend him. Extend him. It's like the same thing with Gus Malzahn, and it's the most annoying thing ever. It's like you can criticize a coach, but after a loss, it's like fire, 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 fire. So it, it is hilarious to me. Now let's think about the, the rest of the season. They've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games left. Less than a month. Nine games in less than a month. We've got a game in two days on February 10th at Texas Tech. Now, here's what I'll say about the UCF schedule. As of right now, you have one, two, three, four, five out of the nine are against ranked opponents. You play Texas Tech twice. You play BYU, Iowa State, and Houston. Cincinnati's not an easy one. TCU's not an easy one. I thought TCU was ranked, so maybe I'm wrong. On the thing I'm looking at, TCU is not ranked. Let me see. I'm pretty sure. Let me go on ESPN. I thought TCU was ranked. No, I guess they're not. Did they just? They must have just lost. But you have 23 Texas Tech on the 10th at number 21 BYU on the 13th. Then you get Cincinnati at home on the 17th. That's again not an easy game. They're, you know. If they win a couple games here, they might be in the tournament too. Then you go at West Virginia on the 20th. Then Texas Tech comes to Orlando on the 24th. Then you travel to Oklahoma State on the 28th. That should be a win. That should be a win. That's like the easiest game in Big 12 play this year, it looks like, for anybody. Then you get back-to-back games at home against number 14 Iowa State on March 2nd. You get Houston at home on March 6th, and then you travel to TCU on the 9th. If I had to make a final prediction, and what's UCF right now? They are, I thought there was like, they're 13 and 8. They're 13 and 8. I think you beat Texas Tech one of the times. So I'm going to say you lose to Texas Tech on the 10th. I'm going to say you lose to BYU on the 13th. So right now, then you'd be 4-7. and seven. I'm going to say you beat Cincinnati at home, 5-7. and seven. I'm going to say you beat West Virginia on the road, 6-7. and seven. I'm going to say you beat Texas Tech at home, that's 7-7. Seven, seven. I'm going to say you beat Oklahoma State on the road, that's 8-7. and seven. I think you drop both to Iowa State and Houston. So now you're 8-9. and nine, And I think you lose to TCU on the road. 8-10 and 10 in your first Big 12 year. I don't know what the record would be as a total. But if you finish 8-10 and 10 in the Big 12, Big 12 basketball, in your first year, I mean, call like it is. That'd be the biggest win for Johnny Dawkins. He'd get his extension. You can assume that UCF would make at least the NIT, the NIT tournament, which again, for all those crapping on the NIT, better than nothing. And especially after UCF start, like you lost to Stetson by three. You lost to Ole Miss by two. The only game you really didn't have a chance with was Miami, a loss by 16. Besides that, 
you've done incredibly well. The only blowouts, are, and really the only blowout you took was Kansas State. The other, you, I mean, Houston, you just couldn't score points, but you held them to 57. I'm actually intrigued about the about Houston, because if I'm correct, Houston in the Big 12, let's just look at their previous games. Now, they did lose to Iowa State. Now, this is a good metric. I know I'm rambling here. UCF has a chance to beat Houston here. We tied for their lowest amount of points allowed. Iowa State is the only other team that allowed 57 points. And guess what? Houston lost that game. Or no, never mind. Timeout. Iowa State allowed less points than UCF. They allowed 53 to Houston. And Iowa State ended up winning that game, beating Houston. And only their second Big 12 win. Besides that, UCF allowed 57. Here was Kansas's or Kansas. Here was Houston's other point totals. 79, 65, 76, 74, 75, 77, 67. Then you had the 53 from Iowa State. 89, 81, 72, 70. You get the point. UCF was just horrific on offense. But against, again, the number two, number three team in the country, if UCF just had some offense, you're in that game. Houston didn't do much. So I think people, all in all, I think people, the Johnny Dawkins haters, I think have turned their head a little bit and went into the corner to be quiet. Because I think this UCF men's basketball team, even with all the transfers, with all the the question marks entering this year, with every preseason poll putting them last, including their own fans, because let's be real, we had no trust in this team doing anything. With all of that, UCF has rattled off three ranked wins, four wins in the Big 12, and has a chance to win a couple more before the end of the season. And hell, maybe pull out a win in the Big 12 tournament. Anything's possible. Any team in this conference can win the Big 12 tournament. And that's for all of them. All right, guys. That's going to do it. About right at 30 minutes. Look at us. Um, Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to Charge On. Hopefully, again, we just keep getting more UCF news. We'll talk UCF basketball next week. Um, hopefully some more UCF football news. I uh, We'll see what happens. A lot less news now than there was last year. I remember last year there was so much news to talk about before spring. This year it's kind of dry sometimes, but we appreciate you tuning in. Thank you so much. Please like, subscribe, comment, share. Do all that you do. We greatly appreciate it. That's going to do it. Thank you. This has been Charge On presented by Bet Online. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.